These are the words of a vicious and senile con man who sits atop a tower of corruption. And look, uh, talk radio sometimes, conservative podcasting, it ends with statements like that. Even worse, if we need a different vaccine for the future to combat a new variant, we're not going to have enough money to purchase it. We cannot allow that to happen. Congress, we need to secure additional supply now. 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 Well, let's just compare that for just a tiny quick second. Because he said, we're not going to have enough money. Is that right? To the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. Your ATM is safe. Your banks are safe. There's enough cash in the financial system. And there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. Hmm. So Pfizer with $360 billion of our money, Moderna with a fairly equal amount taken from us by force, they don't have enough money to produce more injections, but there's an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. Gotcha. See, all too often it ends there, but I've fallen down on the job. I got old and lazy. Let's talk about solutions. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Partner of the day is my brother and my friend, and a guy who leapt into action when I needed him. That is Dave, the digital's company. It's called greenhaveninteractive.com. Super simple test. Can you use Dave's work? Search for your company or your organization on Google. If you are not in the top five, you need Dave at greenhaveninteractive.com, a conservative Christian in a business dominated by leftist atheists. Maybe it's because I'm still processing the time we spent watching the big shorts. And maybe it's because I'm going back through my business books. And maybe it's because I'm going back through and thinking about the time I had in corporate America. Maybe I'm going back through and thinking about the obvious corruption I witnessed when I was in D.C. Maybe it's because God shamed me and said, man, I've given you this platform and you're doing an okay job at putting me at the center. Okay. But are you really just going to spend your time complaining? Or do you want to talk about solutions with folks? And I do want to talk about solutions. Because one of the great scams that goes on in a divide and conquer culture, and we are divided and nearly conquered. Well, there are portions of us who are never going to be conquered. 
And there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes people are simply too patriotic and obstinate to be conquered. But if you're not taking the knee to, to, to the Lord Jesus, you're conquered. You are. And I love you. And I, I, I consider myself a patriot. And I'm very grateful that this country was founded, recognizing God Almighty and recognizing that we have rights because he gave them to us. And I've learned that if we don't take the need to the Lord Jesus, we are conquered. We don't know it, but we are. But in this divided and conquered nation, one of the great swindles is this argument that we just can't find solutions to things. It, it, just, it just can't it can't be done. Eric Solwell is a buffoon and a risk to national security. He is a loudmouth. He is uh, the, the, the worst combination of leadership that's ever existed. That is arrogance and ignorance. And in his case, just a rampant hatred for people. And he said something that actually makes some sense. If the federal government is going to regulate airports and control them, which I don't think it has to, but if it's going to, they could say to the airlines, there's never going to be a case where you have to wait for a gate. This is an example of the madness of we can't find the solutions to things. We, we, we can't. And it's an example that's non-political, and we're going to get political here right quick. But if you've ever flown for any appreciable number of hours, you've experienced something that is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely rage-inducing. We flew in once to, see, we had to be diverted from Detroit to St. Louis. And we landed in St. Louis and we sat about five inches from the gate, five inches. And they didn't let us off the plane for about, well, it was several, at least several hours, a couple of hours. At the couple hour point, or about, about half hour before that, I said to the flight attendant, hey, may I chat with you? And she said, yeah. I said, listen, I am not a physical risk to anybody on this airplane. Surely not to you. I, I'm not. Um, but I'm telling you, if that door isn't opened in the next half hour, I'm going to peacefully stand up. I will disarm the door. I've seen it. I've seen you guys do it a hundred times. You pull that lever and then that lever, and then you hit that button. And the, the slide will be disarmed. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to get out of this airplane. I refuse to sit here for another, beyond a, a half an hour. And she said, well, sir, I have to tell the pilot that you've made this threat. And I said, and I, I knew her. I've been on her planes many times. Her name was Julie. I said, Julie, I'm not a threat. I'm not making a threat. I'm simply telling you I refuse to be held captive. I'm just not going to play this game. Eric Solwell has said if there's a gate that's, that's open and a plane sits for X number of hours, other planes should be allowed to use this. Absolutely. In that case, this was a gate that hadn't yet been cleared for our use, but it's sitting right there. Ultimately, the captain himself came out and said, we're going to open this door. There's a bigger gap than usual. 
We're going to stand here with you to make sure you can get across safely. And I'm pretty confident he did that because he knew I wasn't kidding. Also because he probably needed to go to the bathroom too or eat or get home. One of the great swindles in D.C. in the divided and conquered cultures. Man, we just, we, 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 we can't find solutions to things. So you end up with situations like this. A purely mobbed up company and sets of companies who cheat and lie and steal and they buy their way out of it because they purchase politicians. Both sides can cherry pick their data, but certainly in the last year, the data are pretty clear that ESG has really underperformed other sectors like the U.S. energy sector. But I think that the point is more fundamental here. One of my issues is the coordination amongst different firms in the asset management industry. All right, take this group called the Climate Action 100 Plus Network. This is a group that boasts that it represents over 50% of global assets under management over $60 trillion represented in that group. And they coordinate to tell firms to cut emissions. Part of cutting emissions is cutting productions. Well, the problem is that when you have over 50% market share representing entities get together, decide to coordinate on an action like cutting production, and then prices spike at the pump as a result, we have a word for that in this country. It's called an antitrust violation. And the funny part about this movement, Joe, and not a lot of people talk about this, is how this movement, the ESG movement, applies its standards so selectively in the United States and Western Europe without saying a peep in China. And, and the best example of this, I thought, was actually BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard voting in favor of new directors at Exxon. After those new directors took their seats at Exxon, Exxon cut oil production targets by over 20% from their prior forecasts. But the people who are at the front of the line to pick up the projects that Exxon drops are none other than PetroChina. And if you want the cherry on top, you look at who one of the largest shareholders of PetroChina is, it is none other than BlackRock. So a big part of this is a deep-seated conflict of interest in the ESG movement itself. So the ESG movement and, and the coordination and the price fixing is a great example. And there's some real simple things. Apply antitrust laws, but that gets political. So how about this? And the corporate shield. Do you know what the corporate shield is? You can't sue directors of companies directly. First, you have to sue the company. And then when suing the company, if it turns out that there was fraud or a violation of fiduciary duty, that is acting on behalf of the shareholders, then you can sometimes pierce the corporate shield and go directly after the people. But here's a question. What is a company? It's a collection of people. When companies argued for the right to donate to political campaigns, and I do think that's their right, they're a group of people like unions are groups of people. You're either outlawing groups of people pooling their resources to donate to candidates or you're not. So if unions can do it, then businesses can do it. And so can other groups of people, PACs, etc. But piercing the corporate shield doesn't mean that you're just going to be able to go sue every director willy-nilly. You have to be able to go to court and say, look, here's a solid case. And companies can provide legal insurance. They can do that. There's, there's this thing called uh, D&O insurance, directors and officers insurance, that in case you get sued, 
it backdrops you. So for instance, I serve on a couple of boards. And one of the things we do is we have DNO insurance to protect us. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be sued if they pierce the corporate veil or corporate shield, corporate veil, corporate shield. But it means that we have a backdrop unless the insurance company says, oh, no, you broke fiduciary duty. There's also this. BlackRock and Vanguard and, and State Street, these companies get away with this stuff because they purchase politicians. So let's just let's just drop all, all, all the organizations that protect are supposed to protect integrity, like political action committees and and nonprofits. And let's just make all donations public. All of them. Oh, and I get it. The left doxes people who give to the right. Well, they do. And if that's going to make you not give, then I question your reason for giving. And if that's going to make you not give or donate, well, all the more reason to make it transparent so we can see who's funding the groups that are doxing you. See, to, to, to just spend... All this time pretending that these things are so very complicated. It's just to play into the game. Here's another idea. A 10-year cool-off period between being in business and regulating it. All right, so you worked at uh, BlackRock. for Okay, great. You had a job there. You want to go work at the Securities and Exchange Commission? Yeah, sure. 10 years later. 10 years after you leave BlackRock, you can go get a job at the SEC. Or reverse it. You work at the SEC or the Fed or the Secretary or the Sec, you know the Treasury. Okay, great. You want to go to work now for BlackRock? Sure. Ten right after ten years passes, then you can do that. And the dodge that the uh, the bankster is using this is that they say, "Oh, well, well, we can't do that. We 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 can't do that." We need the best and the brightest minds. We have to have people who know how business works. Okay, I'm sympathetic to that. They can learn how business works as they learn how regulation works. Because their job is to regulate, not to run the businesses. We don't say to cops, you can't be a cop until you're a criminal. We don't say to our soldiers, you can't fight terrorists until you've been a terrorist. That's, that's not what we do. It's a dodge. In D.C., the other side of this, because remember, big business doesn't act alone. Even worse, if we need a different vaccine for the future to combat a new variant, we're not going to have enough money to purchase it. We cannot allow that to happen. Congress, we need to secure additional supply now, now. See, that man has been conning people for so long. And even in his senility, he's like, he's on, he's, <laughs> sorry, it's a terrible habit to amuse yourself. But I just thought he's, he's set on auto con. You know, like auto drip and, or auto brew and coffee. He's set on auto con because he's, he's now deluded to the lizard brain portion of him. You know, normal people's lizard brain is fight or flight. Joe Biden's is, is con. It's just one thing. Just how do I con? 
And there he is conning on behalf of Pfizer, Moderna, and the other people in Big Pharma who are solid members of the party. So big business can only manipulate big governments. Small governments, I mean, what are you buying? And look, we can talk about things like the flat tax. Actually, I prefer the fair tax, the specific brand called the fair tax. We can talk about the, um, we can talk about uh, a lot of those approaches that take a lot of time. I'm talking about things that can be done very quickly. Things that can be done in this case tomorrow. The 10 year cool off period, do that tomorrow. Um, in DC, so-called lawmakers can't be sued. It's very difficult to sue them, uh, particularly for their jobs. And this made good sense when they had to ride horses and carriages to get to their jobs because the thinking there was, hey, look, if we allow the arrests of these people and suing and legal entanglements, when a representative is coming up from a, a far out state and taking a horse and carriage to D.C., his political enemies could have him arrested or sued or detained. So we're going to say you can't do that. All right, fair enough. So they can't be arrested or sued while they're flying to D.C. or driving to D.C. Fair enough. We'll hold on to that. But they have extended this into everything they do at any time. So when they go out and they rapidly lie to us, we can't sue them for lying to us. Well, under what would be the harm? Well, okay. When Joe Biden says we don't have enough money for the injections, he's lying. He's conning. And in the real world, if you are a car salesman and someone's on your lot and they're about to purchase this car and they say, hey, I need some time to think about this. And you say to them, you know what? That's the only car we have. That's it. That's, there's no other cars in this lot. And they purchase that car and it's an absolute lemon. That goes into the lawsuit. That's an aggravating factor because now your lawyer is saying, did you have more cars? Yeah, we had 400 more cars. So you were lying when you said this was the only car. Yes. So you were applying pressure duress. You were putting people in a situation of duress that goes into a lawsuit. Same thing with the figurehead. That's a political speech. And it's not about punishing speech. It's about treating politicians like they're real people, like they live in the real world because they don't. And if you can lie people into $300 trillion in debt, but if you lie to get someone to, to go to a check cashing place, if you say, oh, no, it's not, it's not 18% interest, it's eight, and it's actually 18, you'll go to prison where you belong if you're caught and tried and convicted. There's also this, and this is one of the biggest dodges that exists in D.C., and this is, you notice how we always have to go um, ask for, for, for records? We always have to go petition and do a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request. I'm sorry, when in the world do you have to go do a Freedom of Information Act request to get your paperwork? Does it ever happen? Like when you go to your bank and you walk in and say, hey, can I, can I get a printout of my balances in my account? Uh, we're going to need you to go ahead and file a Freedom of Information Act request. We will review that. And then if we find that, you're, uh, that you're, your request is, uh, is reasonable, we'll give you your records, but we might uh, go ahead and... Uh, and redact some things, but it's my records. Yeah, but that's our policy. No. In DC, all records are stored in the cloud, period. All of them. If they're related directly to national security, directly to national security, 
or to a pending court case directly, as in they are work product, then there's a FOIA request that an outside group examines, not the government. Everything else is in the cloud. Emails are in the cloud. Phone records are in the cloud. Meetings are recorded. See, they work for us and they don't act like it. I don't know about you, but I can remember. Have you ever had this happen? Where you have a boss that says, hey, I want to come in and observe your meeting. I've had that happen. Oh, sweet. Come in. Be great to have you there. Why? I just want to see how your team works. Awesome. Love it. There's this as well. The baseline budgeting, this is your budget is zero. Do that every four years. Your budget for any department is zero. If you need money, make the case. And I also want to see a 10-year cool down between you work in government and want to lobby. Sweet. Wait 10 years. And you're lobbying and you want to work in government. Sweet. Wait 10 years. And just strictly apply. This could be done tomorrow. The term limits on staff are as important as term limits on politicians. But on politicians, that takes a whole bunch of work. And it's unlikely to happen. But staff? Congress makes the rules about staff. You get to work six years. Oh, but the best and the brightest. No. Nope. You're making the system so complicated that only people who live on the hill can live within it. And so what do they do? They make it more complicated. Every single generation of these swamp creatures make it more complicated. It's job protection. It's career protection. Also, for members, Senate and the House, and anyone working in the regulatory world in the boss position, your investment account mimics Social Security. That's what you do with us. Your investment account will mimic Social Security. So that 1% return we all enjoy every few years, that's what they get. Wait a minute, then you're going to have people who don't want to serve. You're going to only have rich people who want to serve. Yeah, except that they, they still blow out. They still multiply their wealth. What will happen? They'll change Social Security. So maybe we see a 3% return. Lastly, open up a congressional rule. There will be open meeting times in your district every month. And 70% of your staff will live in your district. Open meeting times, meaning the member will meet with constituents, not on Zoom, not through the mail. You will fly or drive to your district on a date certain. You will spend a day, an entire day, in concert with your constituents, talking with them. It's all of 30 days a year where you talk with your constituents. Now, how does that fight corruption? Because they have to go back and face it every month. See, we can do a lot of barking and a lot of complaining, or we can begin to talk more often about solutions that can be acted upon today. 
open the show by announcing this. Uh, we're not announcing, but reminding people about the partnership with Dave the Digital. I love a business that can make uh, a real easy, make it real easy to assess if you need to work with them. And Dave does this. Now, I want to make something clear. Greenhaven Interactive, they can build websites. They can build apps. They can fix the current website you have. They do all these things for decades. Dave is very successful. He chooses to keep the firm small. He doesn't want to be big. He's had all sorts of opportunities to be big. But where he sees people having a challenge is with the ever-evolving, ever-changing Google algorithm. So this is a simple test. So easy. If you run an organization, be it a nonprofit or political organization, or you run a business, simply go to the Google machine and search for your company. Search your name. Do you come up in the top five results? If so, solid. Keep track of that. If not, you need to do one of two things. You can pay Google. You can buy ads from them. And then you can be at the top. But understand your competitors will bid those prices up and the prices will continue to go up and Google will continue to make money. Or you could work with someone who's not trying to, not trying to destroy the world. You work with a Christian conservative man who's still very successful in technology at greenhaveninteractive.com. He'll do what's called search engine optimization and he can whip that around and change it. The other thing to search is your category. Do this on maps. Let's say, for instance, that you run a series of tire stores, whatever it is, search tire stores near me on Google Maps. Are you in the top three search results? Three. Why? Because most people search maps mobile. If you're not in the top three, then again, you could pay Google to get prime placement or you can go to greenhaveninteractive.com and ask Dave the Digital to get that worked up for you. This can also be done with bad reviews, particularly if they're nonsensical, demonstrably false reviews. There's a lot of things that Dave can do to help you in that way. It's greenhaveninteractive.com. And do let him know you listen to the podcast because guess what, Dave? Dave and I met because he listened to the radio show. Dave and I have been working together apart for a decade and together now for going on two years. Yeah, we can we can complain all we want, uh, and yet there is that 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 never ends. Complaining is a full time job in talk radio, but solutions. What about elections? Because the party, and don't think that Mitch McConnell isn't into this stuff. Don't 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 think that Mitch wants clean elections. Mitch wants to be able to fix whatever Mitch needs to fix to stay in power next hour. I'm going to talk about Mitch McConnell versus the red wave. Mitch has no interest in the wrong Republicans providing him a majority in the Senate because Mitch McConnell has lost nothing being in second place. Nothing. Name me another business where second place is just as profitable as first. Name that for me. That's Mitch. So he's warning Republicans that, oh, we might have a very bad midterm, even though <laughs> Joe Biden is the least popular so-called president at this time frame in history. Even though Hispanic voters, in fact, 
all so-called minorities are fleeing the Democrat Party. And Mitch says, um, I might have a, a, a bad, bad midterm. We got uh, some candidate, uh, can, 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 candidate quality issues. Got it. So don't think that Mitch is all that different from the left in terms of election integrity. Molly Hemingway. President Biden issued an executive order telling all 600 federal agencies to submit plans about how they could engage in a federal takeover of elections. You might remember that when Democrats took control of the Senate and the White House, they had uh, their signature legislation was a federal takeover of, of election administration. Now, they failed to do that. This appears to be something of a backup plan where they can get involved in all sorts of election-related activities using the bureaucracy. And there are so many problems with this. I mean, first and foremost, it's unconstitutional. The Constitution is very clear that it is given to state legislatures to handle election administration in their states. It's also really unethical. I mean, you noted that people are desperately trying to find out exactly what these plans are and they're not being given details, but details are starting to come out. And it appears that at that point where government benefits meet with the people, they are taking advantage of that opportunity. You know, whether it's a homeless shelter or whether it's food distribution programs or health programs as a way to do this federal overtaking of election administration. Um, and it also is a recipe for chaos and confusion. Um, it, you know, each state has different laws and the idea that federal bureaucrats who don't even necessarily do a great job with what they're supposed to be doing could manage all those intricacies is, you know, it's delusional. And it's just a very disruptive thing to our system at a time when the entire country needs to have confidence and belief that the elections are secure. When you make things complicated on purpose, you are engaging in job protectionism and you're also doing the work of scoundrels. Complexity is the thing a con man relies upon every time or fake, making things fake simple. Like the three card mozzie. Oh, it's easy. All I have to do is pick the card out. Yeah, except the actual card's never going to be there. The, guys, there is no little ball under the, the nutshells. There's not. That's been palmed. So it's either sleight of hand or it's, oh, this is so complex. Like elections. I could say this in one line. Treat elections like any other important transaction. When you purchase a house... Try this sometime. All right, so the signing is four o'clock tomorrow, so we'll see you here. Actually, no. Um, I'd like to sign over a period of 30 days from home. All right, so we'll need to send a notary over there. Actually, no. Uh, I, I can't do it with a notary, and I don't have ID. Okay, then we're going to need you to get ID. Actually, that's racist. Plane ticket? We'll need you to pay for the plane ticket today. Actually, if we could do that across a period of years, it is fake complexity. It is the tool of scoundrels. One day, in person, by mail only with defined and narrow reasons that you have to prove under penalty of a felony, if you lie. No ID, 
no ballot. And we give everything else away. Let people have IDs for five bucks. We can afford the five bucks so that they can't say, people can't afford the $5 for ID, but somehow they can afford the $50 for bottles of booze. Got it. No signature, no vote, no proxies, meaning no vote harvesting, meaning people don't get to go pick up votes at retirement homes unless they're government employees who work under penalty of felony charges for cheating. Charge people who attempt to cheat. You ever notice this? Elections are the only thing where if you try to cheat, but somehow you don't get it done, you're not charged. Did you attempt to rob a bank? Yeah, but I didn't get it done. All right. All right, we'll let that go. A serial number on each ballot. That can't be done. That's too complex. Is it? There's a serial number on every, on every dollar. Every dollar has a serial number. What do we have more of? Ballots or dollars? You get a receipt for your vote. You walk in, you vote, you hand your piece of paper over, it's counted and you get a receipt. It has your serial number on it and how your vote was recorded. You can look at it and go, okay, and you keep that. So if there's a bunch of questions about election integrity later, a bunch of people can come up, pull up the paper copy they have of their ballot and say, actually, someone changed my vote after the fact because here's how my ballot was recorded. But that, that does away with the secret ballot. No, it doesn't. If people choose to show their ballot, that's their choice. The secret ballot is about other people seeing their vote without asking or being given permission. All counting is in public via camera, recorded in the cloud, kept for 10 years. Joseph Stalin said, it's not the number of votes. It's the people who count the votes. All paper records, all paper records, and they're all paper, are kept for 10 years. That's too complex. We can't do that. How can we store all that paper? Do I get to sign my mortgage electronically? Well, some things, I initial it but you still need hard copies. I was just taking some money out of a dormant retirement account I don't use anymore to put into Bulwark Capital Management. <laughs> I had to print out 40 pages of paperwork and send it to them, fax or mail. Could have been done online, but they won't do that. No ballot images without a corresponding piece of paper. A ballot image is where they pretend to take a copy of the ballot and they turn it into software and then they, then they destroy the paper. Uh-uh. That's part of the evidence chain. The paper sticks around for 10 years. All code used in any device that ever touches a ballot, all of that code is kept. It is not changed. Images are taken every hour. And at any time, it can be audited. And we have independent audits of all elections using firms that are paid 
to find fraud. Defined. So it's not a PCR test swindle. They can't just say it's fraud. You get paid to find the following things. What do you think happens in casinos when one of their loss prevention people finds a card counter? You think they get paid the same amount of money that they know they get a bonus? It's the tool of scoundrels to say this stuff cannot be fixed. Absolutely the tool of scandals. The tool of scoundrels, pardon me. Yes, I just mentioned what I'm doing with this dormant retirement account. Um, And it is a great pleasure and it gives me a great sense of comfort to know the guy who is um, stewarding our money. Funny thing, you know, when I had my money at Fidelity, I never got a call from the CEO to say, hey, can we sit down and chat? And when I was at Charles Schwab, uh, the private banking thing, and that was a hoot. That was hilarious. I was working at Microsoft. I got a call from a guy. Say, hey, I'm with Charles Schwab Private Banking. Do you want to put your money here? I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, but you will. So we'll let you in. One of those VIP things we talked about yesterday. Uh, and, and I heard from him once, put the money in, heard from him once. Wasn't such a VIP after that. It's very different with Bulwark Capital Management and Zach Abraham. First of all, every week he's on this show. Secondly, he's got his own radio show. Third, he does very regular free live webinars. Fourth, he reviews every investment portfolio. Now, you do not want Zach spending his time at Bulwark Capital Management chatting with clients. We want him taking that huge brain he has. I don't know how he keeps that stuff in his gourd. I don't know how he doesn't absolutely start stabbing himself in the eyes with sharp things when he has to look at this stuff day in and day out. I, I couldn't stand looking at our spreadsheet when I was at Microsoft that used to make me itch and get sick and pukey. I don't know how he does it, but he does it so well. And it's the old 60-40 stock bond mix for you. Is that right? See, that 60-40 stock bond mix that was invented before the mobbed up situation of corruption that we have now, before the 0% interest rate loans, which are not loans, they're giveaways, before the Fed started conjuring money. That stuff doesn't apply anymore. And if you are five to 10 years from retirement, you are in the risk zone. A misstep now, well, it could mean that retirement doesn't happen or it's, or it's radically delayed. All right, so the focus on risk management at Bulwark Capital Management is across the board. They take it very, very seriously. Get in touch with them. They're at 866-779-RISK. It's Bulwark Capital Management. Zach Abraham's the chief investment officer. 866-779-RISK. Or you can go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. When you um, do undertake solutions and you do undertake acting upon solutions, things can change very, very quickly. There is an example of this that I run the risk of sounding prideful when I say this. So I'll say it this way. God Almighty, for some reason, saw fit for me to get to talk on the largest radio show that's ever existed and ever will exist. And there will never be a bigger radio show than Rush's, God rest him. 
and the team at EIB let me suggest the audacious thing of going to school board meetings and reading the perverse pornographic sex ed curriculum into the record and reading the critical race theory based curriculum into the record and making them sit there and listen to it. And when that happens, things changed fast because other parents said, what you're teaching? What? And so we started to see solutions. We started to see things like Ron DeSantis. We're here today because we believe in education, not indoctrination. We are not going to use your tax dollars to teach our kids to hate this country or to hate each other. That was hard. And it's being treated as if there is some freeze on free speech. No, not everything is taught in schools. If you want to teach your kids to hate white people, feel free. That's your free right. That's your freedom of speech. You get to do that. It doesn't mean it gets in school because we can't put everything in school. So what do we put in school? Reading, writing, arithmetic. So the sexualization of kids. Hi, I'm a queer teacher and I 1000% do not support this bill. And yes, I do know what's in it in itself is just another way to stigmatize the LGBTQ plus community. Kids as young as three and four are actually aware of their gender identity, even if they don't have the language for it. So very aware of who they like and who they don't like. Heterosexuality is pushed on our kids on a daily basis at a very young age. Media, through books, the first Disney movie that you saw. To say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. We're very much ready for these topics and are way more accepting than adults when it comes to discussing these topics. We can talk about gender, gender assumptions, pronouns, all the things. And it is child development appropriate and age appropriate. It's literally created as just another means to other queer people. Basically say that us existing is not normal. Hi, I'm a queer teacher and I 1000%. Yeah, that's the beginning because that's what he identifies as a queer teacher. See, no straight teacher says, I'm a straight teacher. Because they're not there to teach kids to have sex with the opposite sex. And the pushback on, well, it's, it's this, this has been pushed upon kids forever. We are a hetero, heteronormative species. And I steal this line from my friend, Katie Faust at, uh, at them before us. Great organization, brilliant, brilliant, godly woman. She was on a panel at the UN and she was talking about the fact that, that the kids do better with the mom and dad. And someone on the panel said, that's an awfully heteronormative statement. And Katie said, we are a heteronormative species. Without heteronormative sexual activity, there is no more people. You are the result of heteronormative activity. So in schools, the way to stop the sexualization of kids is to stop the empowerment of the schools. Guaranteed money guarantees corruption. Guaranteed money guarantees corruption. To the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. 
your ATM is safe, your banks are safe, there's enough cash in the financial system, and there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. Guaranteed cash guarantees corruption. So it goes like this, just like with everything else. If you look at systems like welfare, you look at systems like welfare and Medicaid, where do you get the most fraud? You get the most fraud in Medicaid. Why? Because the money doesn't go to the person with limits. It goes to fraudsters all too often. Up to 30% of Medicaid's budget goes to fraud because sophisticated people use fake complications to carry out the work of scoundrels. When people are on welfare and they know they get this money once or twice a month, then it's all they get. They're a little bit more careful in how they spend it. And if they misspend it, yeah, they can face legal penalties, but they can also not eat. Likewise with schools. Simply fund the parents. Government schools exist constitutionally provisioned. We're, we have to have them available. My wife was a teacher, still is a tutor. She's brilliant at it. It's her contention that the government schools are beyond repair and should be shut down. And the school districts, as local as they can be, they take orders from the national school people and the leftists, and you can see the fruits of this stuff happening everywhere. Funding parents is the way to stop the sexualizing of kids for most kids. It's also a way to contrast and compare. And it's also a way to be godly. Oh yeah, that. Everything we're talking about here goes right back to godly behavior. There's the sexualization of kids in entertainment, so don't have it in your house. Unplug the cable. I get in such trouble with conservatives when I say this, but I like ESPN. Okay. If you get, or I like Fox News in my house. Understand, if you have cable TV in your house, you are paying for MSNBC and HBO and the Black Entertainment Network and, um, and CNN. You're paying them money every single month. Unplug. Pick and choose the shows in the government schools. Unplug. I get it. I hear it all the time. I'm not equipped to homeschool. Find a homeschool co-op. I am begging you. And on a policy basis, it's our money. Not only do we not need the board of educations, if it's our money, not only do we not need the national groups, if it's our money, they have no influence. They have no sway. If it's our money. Biblically, we're to teach kids right, even when they don't want to hear it, and it'll come back to them. In voting, we're to use honest weights and measures in voting. In business, we're never to corrupt. We're to serve and not be served. We're not to lie. We're not to steal. We're not to covet. And so the base of all of this is pure tactics. 
unless it stands on a foundation that never changes and never will. The change we seek in our country is a consolation prize, guys. It's the biggest consolation prize in history, and I am so thankful that I live in America. I'm so thankful for the people who've defended it. I love you, and I can't talk about you without falling into tears because I love you so very much. And it's a consolation prize. The base of all this is a return to godly living. That's the only way to have a godly society is a return to godly living. And it starts in our home. It's called the home sphere. It's our sphere of influence. We'll try to do more talking about solutions. I'd love to hear what you think of shows like this. It's not fire and brimstone conservative stuff. It's talking solutions. I think we should do more of it, but I don't know what you think. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go to well, be strong, be kind, and be thankful that the Lord does give us this time that we have, this time to bring others to him in concert with him and to get that great consolation prize.